0: Good morning. Welcome to Real Time with iPelra, a podcast dedicated to HR topics in the local government. I'm Megan Falera, And I'm Christina White. Today, we are talking with the famous Jeff Nowick from FMLA Insights. But before we get to that, we want to celebrate episode one of season two. We made it, Christina. We are in our second season. Woohoo. Woohoo is right. We're so excited to have Jeff on the show today. Uh, Next week, we have Jim Powers from Clark Baird Smith to talk about uh, vaccination and what employers can require or not require. We are also hosting a webinar later this month um, about compassion fatigue and COVID in the workplace. Uh, We'll have Joyce Martyr returning as a guest, uh, Lee Jeter and Lake Forest Police Chief um, Carl Waldorf. But Jeff, good morning. How are you today? I'm doing well, Megan.
1: Great to be with you and Christina. Happy New
0: Year. Happy New Year. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. 2020 was the dumpster fire. We all, you know, it's still there. It's still burning. The flames aren't out, but there is a light at the end of the tunnel.
1: Hope is on the way.
0: Hope is on the way. So, Jeff, you are a nationally renowned FMLA blogger. What was the impetus for this idea?
1: Well, I got started um well first of all a, a renowned FMLA blogger is quite comical. It's uh and it actually um it it's it causes me to be ridiculed at home. Um, <laughs> but but yes, I do a lot of work in the FMLA area and it started oh, heck a long time ago when I was uh an associate at a law firm and I was kind of at that next stage of, of becoming a partner at that law firm. And I, I hit that moment where I kind of like, like we all at some point in our careers, we, we it's that aha moment, you know, like where we've got to figure out what we're going to do with the rest of our career, or at least a good chunk of that career. And for me, oddly enough, it was the FMLA.
0: Um,
1: I've always enjoyed um, working with employers on their medical leave and their accommodation issues for their employees, uh, that always interested me. So it was kind of a natural next step to really hone in on this area, the FMLA. The regulations, as some of you may recall, were changing back in 2008. And so I decided that I would just dive in and get to know them as best I could and start uh developing much of my practice in that area and from that launched uh the FMLA insights blog you know b- blogging at the time was was not um it was not well known and in fact i remember i remember discussing it with with a colleague at the time who i started the blog with and i remember asking him uh, you know hey do, do you know this thing called blogging <laughs> it's, it seems kind of cool. And it, and it, it, I, I think it's going to take off. He thought I was crazy at the time, but, um, I pushed him a little bit. Let's, let's just start one up. Let's see how it goes. Well, that was June of 2010. Wow. And, um, here we are 10 years later and it's, it's still, I'm not sure if it's going strong, but it's still there. And it, um, is a resource for employers in the FMLA area.
0: Well, that that's fantastic. And I will say you give us a lot of hope as two uh, entrepreneurial uh, podcasts here that we might one day have a longevity um, similar to yours um, in the field of alternative delivery of um, HR information and legal advice. Now, Jeff, you are a, um, an attorney with Littler, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay, great. So December 31st, as we all know, marked the end of FICRA, uh, but not the end of the virus. Now, the vaccine is on the horizon. People are cheering in the streets, but people are still getting sick. And and with the recent holidays, the CDC is expecting a surge in cases. How How do employers manage this? What do we do? How has our role changed with the expiration of these benefits?
1: Well bottom line I don't think it I don't think it has changed and here's here's why it starts with continued messaging to your employees so that that's number one and this may seem commonsensical but you want to continue the messaging to your employees and what's that message we want you healthy the virus sadly is strengthening right now it's not weakening hope is on the way we have vaccines and Within the next number of months, we hope to uh, be in a much different stage of this virus. But these winter months surely are going to be difficult. If you're sick, if you have symptoms of an illness or you have symptoms of COVID, stay home. So that should be the message to employees. But as, as we know, this message is not in and of itself good enough. Many of our employees can't afford to simply stay home from work. Um, some of them, plenty of them don't have the accrued leave to be able to stay home for a week if they have a cold, um, or God forbid they, they, they have COVID. So, um, they, their incentive is to do whatever they can to make money. Um, employers need to consider, uh, whether it's, continuing FFCRA leave or providing additional leave to employees in the event that they or their families, their, their family members get sick over the next couple of months. Now, many of your members are subject to, to collective bargaining agreements. There, are, of course, are provisions and uh, accrued paid leave that's available under the bargaining agreement. But we need to be thinking as employers, what, what what else can we afford to support our employees during a really difficult next couple of months? And I, I don't want to come off as the grim reaper here, but um, we're we're entering a difficult phase of this pandemic. And how we support our employees through that and keep our other employees safe and healthy is going to be critical in the time ahead.
2: Jeff, I couldn't agree more. And I think just for any of our listeners that maybe aren't as familiar with FFCRA or are still confused between the differences in terms of FFCRA and FMLA and all the different acronyms we we like to use in, in HR. Um, I think it's important to just kind of note FFCRA had two different sort of provisions in it. The, the first being the additional sort of sick bank of leave um, that covered uh, up to two weeks or 10 days of someone being um, out for COVID um, or COVID-related leave needed for something like that. And it was... Um, if I- correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was full pay for those two weeks uh, up to a certain cap. And then the second part of it was an extension of FMLA benefits uh, to cover COVID related things. And that's what's that provision that FFCRA, um, Families First Coronavirus Response Act, that's what's expired as of December 31st and not continued. Uh, But there is still some coverage under FMLA, but FMLA is an unpaid benefit. So if someone is sick and doesn't have that time off, Um, that's kind of what we're talking about here of looking at potentially extending benefits to cover employees so that they're not stuck taking an unpaid leave under FMLA for a longer period of time. Right. Right.
0: So it looks like, um, you know, we can certainly offer to, like you said, extend FICRA, even though it, it's um, expired. But how many municipalities can really afford to do that? I know public employers are not eligible for tax credit. Um, Christina, has um, your organization applied for the CARES Act money? I know that that part of the um, distribution of the CARES Act money was intended to cover some of these um, losses that we might have experienced due to paying out um, emergency paid sick leave or extensions under FMLA.
2: Right, as well as other just costs associated with handling the COVID pandemic as a whole. So yes, we in Warrenville, we did apply for our portion of CARES Act funding through the county and we're in DuPage. Um, and so we, we did do that. Um, in terms of FFCRA and the benefits, we are uh, looking at extending our benefits through the end of March, um, even though FFCRA has not continued. Um, and, and we have certain provisions and certain employees that are exempted from, uh, that were exempted from FFCRA when it first came out um, because they're emergency responders. But um, we also extended similar paid benefits for specific COVID-related issues um, for those emergency responders as well that mirrored some of the provisions of FFCRA, uh, just not the, the full-blown um, extended FMLA time um, because obviously we can't can't have police officers and emer- other emergency responders out for, uh, you know, 12 full weeks at the same time. If, if multiple people are sick because of the need to continue operations, like most public sector employers.
0: Absolutely. And I know, um, that a lot of municipalities, um, either chose to include their first responders or chose to exempt them from the sicker provisions. Um, I heard an interesting, um, situation in another organization that if they were able to contract trace or if they were able to uh, get definitive information that an employee had traveled uh, out of state or to an area that was uh, a COVID hot zone and contracted the virus, that they would not be eligible. And this is one of the first responders would not be eligible for that benefit. So I wonder um, how many other organizations are, are doing anything like that? And have you heard of any other organization extending their leave? Like you said, Warrenville's going to March.
2: That's correct. We extended through the end of March and then we'll reevaluate at that point um, to see where we are. Okay. vaccines and how many people have been vaccinated and yeah. what cases look like and whether we're still seeing surges we've been fortunate in Warrenville that we have not uh, knock on whatever wood is around you that we have not had a ton of cases or multiple employees out at the same time from an operation standpoint but obviously with winter months and flu season there's always that uh, the holidays that just happen there's there's always that risk so that's part of why we decided to extend through the end of March.
0: Jeff, is there anything else regarding COVID and FMLA and employer practices in general that we should be aware of?
1: Well, with the expiration of FFCRA, um, we no longer have the mandate to provide paid leave, this emergency paid leave like we did in 2020. Um, but classic FMLA now comes into play uh, for employees, employees who have tested positive, they have symptoms um, related to to COVID, they've got to care for a family member who is sick uh, in these kinds of situations. Uh, Classic FMLA still may very well apply. Um, So so we have to be careful about those particular situations, even though FFCRA may no longer apply for many uh, employers, certainly not mandatory anymore, it's voluntary. Now, as we move forward, uh, we now have those classic FMLA considerations to take into account. Before, back back last year, if an employee uh, was infected with COVID and they needed time off, that time would typically be covered by emergency paid sick leave, that two-week bank of, of paid time, and it wasn't considered FMLA uh, now that FFCRA is gone, now we, we we have those situations now where FMLA may very well apply. So uh, we certainly have, um, from just a classic FMLA sense, we've got to uh, worry about um, COVID situations and who might be covered moving forward. We also have the continued child care issues. Um, keep in mind that if Because FFCRA no longer applies, it's not as though employees have an automatic right under the law to take time off if their kids' school is closed due to COVID. Um, There's remote learning that that your employees have to attend to uh, that no longer is protected under the law, Uh, but they're going to continue to be um, a... Uh, a, a practical issue for employers where many of their, their employees uh, have to remain at home to care for their, their young child who is stuck at home in remote learning.
0: I, I know you don't have a crystal ball as much as we'd like to, to wish and hope that you did, but um, it's no secret that the uh, changing of the guard is taking place in Washington, D.C. very shortly. Do you um, have any reason to believe that our new president may bring back some of these provisions or there may be um, an extension?
1: Well, it's, it's going to start with the Congress. And so the, whether we're going to see paid sick leave or paid to in 2021 and beyond, it's going to hinge on the makeup of Congress and specifically the U.S. Senate. So the election in Georgia this week, you know, this, this podcast is timely for your members because we're going to know this week who the two new senators from Georgia are. And if, sorry about that. Um, if, if both Democrats end up winning the election, um, that's going to tip the balance in favor of, of the Democrats that's going to be um, a that, that's that change in makeup is going to affect certainly things like paid sick leave and a whole host of other issues in the middle of this pandemic so it starts with the Congress uh, I'll be uh, obviously interested as anyone else to see how this election goes um, we can anticipate that there may very well be a strong push for uh, paid sick leave and uh, other benefits like it if the Democrats take control of the Senate in 2021. Uh, certainly from um, President Biden's standpoint, they will, um, uh, I'm sorry, he will surely be interested in continuing the paid sick leave, the paid FMLA um entitlements that we saw back in 2020, but it's, it's largely going to hinge on the leadership within Congress.
0: That's true. This, yeah, this is a very fascinating week. And um, I hate to think, I mean, there was another uh, congressman who was recently elected, came down with the virus and unfortunately succumbed to the illness, passed away. So we're hoping and hopeful that a, that doesn't happen again and b whatever the success of this election renders. Um, that uh, people will be able to assume their seats and we can, you know, see the rest of this play out. Right. Are there any other changes um, that you see in the employment law arena with the installation of the Biden administration?
1: Well, I think the, the one thing that, that we'll see that employers will see firsthand um, with a new administration is a, a more aggressive enforcement, both from the Department of Labor and from the EEOC. What we've seen in the Trump administration, and this tends to happen during Republican administrations, they tend to be more friendly to businesses and to employers in general, um, is that there is a, a less aggressive approach toward enforcement of the laws that, that DOL and EEOC um, uh, cover and, and are, are charged with enforcing. So we can anticipate in a Biden administration that we're going to see a more proactive EEOC, uh, a more proactive DOL. Um, We're going to see certainly an increased interest in systemic issues by both agencies, just as we saw uh, in the Obama administration a number of years back. Uh, We, and, and many of us will recall that during the Obama years, the systemic cases um, rose quite significantly, um, particularly at the EEOC. And so, I think we're going to see that in a Biden administration. That, that's going to be, that will be the most noticeable thing that HR professionals will see. Um, will we see additional legislation? Like I said before, it largely is going to depend. On Congress, if the Senate is controlled by Republicans, I don't, frankly, I don't see um, a a watershed moment where where we're suddenly going to see a whole host of new laws. Uh, But if that, if the Senate shifts, and now the Democrats control the Congress, and then of course, they'll control the White House, um, we could be in for uh, a whole host of new laws, uh, leave, uh, being one of them, uh, paid leave being one of them. Um, but you know, we're certainly uh, going to see more employee friendly laws if the Democrats control the, the, the government in full. I think the, the one pressure point that this Congress faces that the federal government faces as we move forward is this issue of childcare. Um, you know, I, I do, I do think that this is going to be a, a lasting impact of this pandemic. We have seen firsthand in this pandemic, uh, how difficult it has been for parents to juggle both work and family commitments. I mean, their, their children were forced home for a lengthy period of time and many still are at home in remote learning. Um, The many employees have to be at home when their child is is remote learning. Um, Some of them have to be quite hands-on. When you have your kindergartner, for instance, at home (laughs) um, doing remote learning, mom and dad have to be involved with remote learning. So it presents some dilemmas that were kind of forced into the spotlight in a way that we haven't seen before. Um, So I anticipate that both at the federal and at the, at the state levels, we're going to see into the future, the next five to 10 years, I think we're going to see a potential explosion of laws dealing with child care specifically. It tends to be, um, a more politically palatable issue that politicians can, can rally around a bit. um, and so I'll be interested to see how that issue in, in particular develops in the short term.
0: I agree. And I think um, just in the, in the recent years, we've seen a gender shift in um, both houses of Congress and um, you know, women still primarily being um, the ones saddled with the bulk of um, child rearing and household responsibilities. I would say that that probably will play into how, how child care becomes a priority legislatively. Right. Um, I'm sitting here taking a look at uh, your last or the last blog post that I that I came across, and, it, and it's kind of funny to me. You know, I know government's slow and we're not always the first to get around to this, but the, the title of, of this blog post is uh, that the DOL greenlights telemedicine visits to support FMLA leave. Did they not uh, support this in the past? And did it really take a pandemic for us to um, give weight to uh, telemedicine? What can you tell me about that?
1: What a concept, huh? So, yeah, medicine advances to the point where telemedicine has been – it hasn't been an uncommon approach for quite some time now, certainly during the pandemic – uh, many of our office visits with our physician are, are typically telemedicine now. And I don't envision us going back. Uh, certainly we will see a ramp up in in-person medical visits, of course, after this pandemic is over, but there will be a place moving forward for telemedicine. Uh, and increasingly over the past few years, I've had questions, uh, questions increasingly from clients. Uh, does a telemedicine visit count toward uh, FMLA leave? Does it support the need for FMLA leave? And my answer till just recently has been no, it doesn't support that. The FMLA regulations clearly state that the visit has to be in person. Uh, DOL earlier uh, in 2020 issued some guidance that at least temporarily telemedicine visits would be acceptable to support the need for FMLA leave. DOL, in guidance just issued last week, um, made clear that moving forward now, telemedicine visits will support uh, the request for FMLA and establishing that in-person visit as required by the FMLA regulations.
0: Well, I don't know about you, Christina, but this is kind of music to my ears. I know as an HR director, we're always asking for documentation, documentation, and I'll get every song and dance, you know, under the law about why someone can't get in with their doctor or this that, and the other. So mm-hmm. if we can facilitate um, more frequent or, um, you know, and advance an appointment with a doctor, I'm all for it.
2: Right. Honestly, yeah. We right. see it improving the ease of access, hopefully, uh, because, I've you know, we've had the same issue when you uh, are looking for information or need the employee to go see their doctor. Uh, you know, sometimes there's, it's days before they can even get in to, to see a doctor. So hopefully this shift towards more, more use of telemedicine visits, uh, will expedite those processes a little bit.
0: Yeah, that's great. Jeff, did you want to say something? I don't want to interrupt you. Oh, no,
1: no. I I would agree with Christina that it, uh, it's going to, um, have a beneficial impact on employees seeing their doctor, uh, giving access to th- giving access to them for timely medical visits. It will help us in turn. Presumably, it will help us as HR professionals in, in, in doing our job.
0: And, and, you know, this circles back to what we were talking about, you know, just jokingly at the beginning. I mean, we created this podcast as a way to stay in touch with people, to still be able to provide the training that iPelro is known on, uh, known for. You created the blog as a way to kind of spread information um, about FMLA. And I think it would... It's only natural that uh, the medical community follow suit, um, especially when we're trying to contain um, a highly contagious virus that um, can be spread orally, virally, and some people are asymptomatic. And it really does just seem like, um, you mentioned the Grim Reaper, like the, like, like the death of, or the smoke death that's just kind of creeping around the corner. We don't know how people get it. So I think mm-hmm. this is fantastic. Um, we're running up against our clock here, but Jeff, if any of our listeners would like to get in touch with you, how can they do that?
1: Well, a couple of different ways. Uh, One, through my blog, fmlainsights.com. All my contact information is there. You can certainly sign up for the blog to get updates on FMLA issues that impact employers. You can also reach me by email, J-N-O-W-A-K at Littler, It's L-I-T-T-L-E-R, dot com. And so I'm I'm reachable through my blog or email primarily and happy to happy to help.
0: Fabulous. Thank you so much. And listeners, you know, we're always sending a shout out to you as well. If there's anything you want to say, or if there's anything you want to comment on, you know, we're listening. Send us a recorded voice message. We can play or join us on a future show. Connect with us through the website at www.ipelra.org. And of course on Twitter at I-P-E-L-R-A. It's now the, the start of a new year, and I know many of you um, have joined us and look forward to our annual employment law seminar that we normally hold uh, at Drury Lane. Um, I always joke it's like the last episode of Seinfeld. People you haven't seen in forever kind of come out. There's always like 500 people. Well, we're still going to do it. We won't be able to get together, but we are going to deliver the same um, training that you count on and, and the same assembly and, and all that good stuff. It's going to be virtual this year. Um, Support IPELRA by becoming a member. We're dedicated to providing training and resources, just like ELS, um, resources to HR and labor professionals and and local government. Join us next time as we are joined by Jim Powers, and we talk about the COVID vaccine. I'm Megan Falera, And I'm Christina White. And this has been Real Time with IPELRA. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, everyone.